2: Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Gardner for this Thursday, March the fifth, two thousand fifteen. Good to have you all here for our second of two shows this week. Our entertainment show for this week we have a f- interesting show on tap for you tonight. We have, of course, our usual box office beat. We'll present this week's edition of the box office beat. Also, the TV picks of the week and the return of the film picks of the week. And something that you've all been waiting for. Um, and, you know, last week we had the Film Awards. Obviously, we had to put this off. Um, but tonight we're going to finally get to it. We're going to react to the Oscars. But we're also going to react to a controversy that involved the Oscars, but also the Spirit Awards, which are the independent Spirit Awards. That It's an award show that celebrates independent films, smaller budget films. We're going to go over that controversy, which has been a big source of a lot of discussion it's something that in a lot of ways our show it's a controversial in a lot of ways our show has been built upon because you know the film awards which in a lot of ways respond to bias and you know a very limited way of thinking that the oscars and a lot of award shows represent um and several times over the years more than several we've we've discussed a lot of the issues that are involved in this controversy that we're going to discuss tonight. Um, And and I'll get into it more. And and anybody that's been listening to us since day one or over the years knows um, how we feel about um, the issues that we're going to talk about tonight. But they, again, we're going to have to get into it, and rightfully so, because what happened on the Oscars, what happened at the Spirit Awards, is something that, you know, I, it, it it's sad. It really is. It's really, really sad. And we're gonna we'll talk about it later on in the show. We'll also again give our just our general reactions to the Oscars, which took place a week ago this past Sunday, and we'll give our own reactions to our own film awards that took place last week, and give some of your reactions to our film awards that um, took place last Thursday. So that's what's gonna go on on our show tonight. So without further ado, let me remind you all of the ways which you can interact and contribute during our show, you can do so by emailing us at B G at com. Again, it's B G. at gmail.com is my email as well as the show. Then please remember to put in the subject line of email some idea of what that email is about, if it's for any one of us in particular on the show, if you're reacting to something, tell us what topic, you know. Let's give us some idea what the email is about just to help us out. If it's feedback, label it as feedback. Just give us some idea. This really, really makes things a lot easier for us if you can. You can also follow us and tweet us at IT Spotlight B G. Again, it's at IT Spotlight B G. That's my Twitter handle as well as the show. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag IT Spotlight, for anything you tweet regarding our show. Again, it's hashtag IT Spotlight. And of course, on Facebook, to find our fan page, search for us using our full show title in the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And once you find our page, like our page and go ahead and post whatever you'd like to post Facebook, Twitter, email. Doesn't matter. If you post or send it, we will see it. We check it routinely, my, myself and Jeff Tech. Don't be alarmed if we if we don't use, acknowledge, or mention whatever you post or sent on the show, or if we don't reply back, we can't possibly use everything or mention or acknowledge everything and we can't possibly reply back to everything. So if you don't if if you post or send, it, just know we have seen it and rest assured it's been read and checked and seen, okay? Alright, without further ado, let me bring my co host on here. Mike, you are in the spotlight.
3: Well, let me tell you something, me and Gene. Today has been one of those days, brother, where it's like you get up and you just want to go back to bed because everything, dude, kind of goes wrong. And then, Jack, suddenly you have to call AAA. A. And then you get the morning off from work. And suddenly, dude, it's actually a pretty good day after that. (laughs) But let me tell you something, Jack. I had to go into work this afternoon, and it wasn't that great. But But, brother, now it is time for In the Spotlight, where the millions of Hulkamaniacs running wild, brother, As we slam that Jeff Tech dude down. And with the millions of Hulkamaniacs, we drop the leg drop, brother. And then we hold up the WWF Heavyweight Championship dude. So what you're going to do when Hulkamania runs wild on you? (laughs) That was actually pretty good. (laughs) That was really good. Yeah, I'm I'm proud. it's this is going to come off as a a backhanded compliment. No, well, all right, it's going to come off as a backhanded insult. Okay, it's just going to come off as an insult. But I figured the the introduction to the show probably could have used a little bit of Hulk Hogan. That wasn't as insulting as it sounded in my head. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it, maybe I should have sworn a little bit more. Yeah. Would, that have been more would that have been more insulting, Brian?
2: Uh. I I guess, yeah. Probably. Maybe Okay.
3: W- would you like it to be more insulting? No. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> I'm being honest, no. Um oh,
3: that's a little disappointing, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be um
2: speaking of disappointments, everybody say hi to the third member of our <laughs> team. <laughs> Say hi, Josh. Who's going to be complaining <laughs> all night about that one? I saw an opportunity, I took it.
3: <laughs> I wasn't even—that wasn't even me tonight. Uh, well, he is our <laughs> technical guru. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, if he were—if he were—if he, in terms of being a technical guru, I didn't even know what to even say after that. That was—that was like kicking like gonads, man. Ugh. Oh. he was our. Well, okay. In, in terms of being a technical guru, it's like when you're expecting Hulk Hogan, but somehow you end up with Curtis Axel in terms of being a technical guru in the history of the show. And our wrestling fans will get that. Actually. Okay,
2: I'm going to tell you how what his reply to me was. His reply uh, was, "Yeah, I am a disappointment. I was a disappointment last night.
3: You were a dis. T- <laughs>
2: he was a I disappointment don't. last night.
3: <laughs> I'm pretty sure you weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to say that part on the air.
2: No, I I okay, folks, before I get tons of emails saying, "Why are you being mean to Jeff Tech? That's Mike's gimmick." Let me let me just explain this to you, okay? We were having a discussion before the show. And sometimes he infuriates me because there's something it's always funny to me that the simplest things he doesn't want to do, but the most complex things like if we have a major issue or something He's all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like the stuff that's going to take hours, he's all into. But the stuff that only takes him like maybe a brief moment or two, and Mike can relate to this because it's a sore point with him. Because last year he could have done something incredibly simple, and he didn't do it.
3: Yeah, he was was a giant (laughs) dickhole.
2: Right. The simple stuff that takes him maybe less than five minutes, sometimes even five seconds to do, he won't do but the stuff that will take him five hours, oh okay. And I and I, I asked him. I said, "Well, could, could I ask him to do something before the show?" And it was a, and I'm not gonna say what it was because it's 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 like, well, why would you even ask him to do that? And that and I'll just allude to it. It's something to do with the emails, okay? And he's like, "Well, why can't you do that?" And I'm like, "Well." I at that particular moment, I was finishing something up on the outline, and I was trying to change something up, because I, I looked back, and I didn't like the way it came off. And he's like, well, you can do both, right? And I'm like, well, what are you doing? He goes, nothing. And I'm like, then why can't you just do it? And he goes, well, I don't understand why you can't do it. And I'm, and I'm like, well, what's the big deal? I'm delegating one little responsibility that we're taking maybe two minutes. Two minutes. And... I, it infuriates me because every once in a while he does that, so I'm like, you know what, you know what, you're gonna get you're gonna get paid back on the show, and I said, if this one Mike, he would he would say something horrible to you, and he has, and rightfully so because he's deserved it.
1: So I said, oh, he goes, oh you don't hate,
2: and he goes, you don't have it in you. That, he goes, he goes, you might try, but you're gonna fa- you're gonna fall flat on your face on the air because you're not capable of telling a good insult which is true. I suck at insults. Okay. I had maybe Mike knows it. I may. I have maybe one or two moments the whole entire year where I say something funny.
3: Just about.
2: So it's very rare. So I'm like, you know what? I said, you know, what? maybe it won't be tonight, but, but whenever the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to grab onto it and I'm going to say it. And you'll know when it's going to probably be the only time that, that particular year that I'm going to be funny or it's going to be something that actually makes sense. Well, you you threw me something, Mike, and I took hold of it, and I actually got got something in. So I'm pretty happy. You're you're very welcome, I guess. Thank you. And he's like, I can't believe that actually happened. I'm like, and and he actually told me, see, now he now I will give him this. And to anybody that thinks I hurt his feelings, he actually just took that very well because he's he's the one that came up with the I was a disappointment last night line, and he told me I could share it. So he's playing we- off of it. So, you know what? That's cool. I appreciate the fact he's having a sense of humor about it.
3: Well, maybe he wouldn't have been such a disappointment last night if he had taken a little bit of Viagra. (laughs) Viagra. If you're suffering from erectile dysfunction, Viagra is just what you need to get up and running and hard like a diamond. (laughs)
1: So,
3: so Jeff, it's the number one... it's the number one brand of people with ED named Jeff Tech. If we Unless get, you're like, taking Cialis.
2: If we get like an email from like people from Viagra saying, "Can you be? Your, can, can you sponsor
3: us on your show?" I'll be, I'll, be, I'll laugh.
2: That'd
1: be funny. Cool.
3: No, uh, I, I wouldn't mind pimping Viagra on this show. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I um, wouldn't mind because it would actually come at the expense of Jeff Tech. If, so you see, know, it's all right. I,
2: I think the reason why Jeff text Hammond what I said so well, is because he knows I don't. It's not very. It's it's not something I usually do. with Mike, it's kind of like he does it all the time. With me, it's something I don't usually do. So he's like, "Oh, I'll let you have that one." I'll play off of it. I'll even add to it. But if it were you, he would have been like, "Why does he always have to do this?" <laughs>
3: because he deserves it half the time. Yeah, he does. About, he does about about ninety five percent of the time. He probably deserves it. And, um. Uh, and the other... Pardon me, that Hulk Hogan thing. Did wonders for my voice there. Um, the other 5% of the time we're just covering the other 95% of the time that he probably deserves it.
2: Yeah. So we're
1: anyways. just
3: covering all our bases because he's just a dickhole most of the time.
2: Um, Alright. I want to... Before we get into... Now, I know this is a completely tone. It's a complete tonal transition here, but I'm just going to do it um I don't know if anybody's aware um and thank thankfully it looks like he's going to be okay but Harrison Ford did have an accident earlier today he was in a small plane crash um that apparently a small plane crashed on a golf course um apparently he's been upgraded to fair condition he's stable right now but he ha- it was said that he had some kind of head wound but um apparently he's in st- st- uh stable fair condition and it looks like he's going to be okay, so that's, we, we thank God for that. That's, that's great news. But we still want to extend our thoughts and prayers and, and our, our wishes for a speedy recovery to Harrison Ford and to so everybody, all his loved ones, fans, et cetera, you know, thoughts and prayers out to you because that that was a scary situation. I had just found out about it about 15 minutes ago, um, and, I, and by the time I found out, thankfully, it was said that he was going to be okay. So I just want to acknowledge that at the top here. Um and we do have a couple of little announcements here. First off, but, next week. Go, oh, go ahead, Mike.
3: Oh no, no! I just found out about something positive that happened.
2: Okay, please go ahead.
3: Uh, uh, I know it's the, the entertainment show, obviously, but uh, <laughs> yes. we we gotta talk about something like sports related. Craig Sager came back tonight. Oh yes, yes. Craig Sager. He he battled leukemia uh, for a year, over a year. Yes. And uh, tonight, and, and he succeeded. And tonight was his first game back on the sidelines, back to work. And it looks like the entire NBA is just celebrating. And I well, love Dinger. Oh, everybody! Well, suits aside, he is probably uh, one of the best, best uh, journalists the NBA yeah. has had. And he's one of the best sideline reporters that they've ever had. Um, but I'm, you know what? The NBA, and it's finally something good is happening. Mm. Like a good story coming out of the NBA, it's an overwhelmingly positive story. Um, God bless! He, I'm
2: glad he's. I'm glad he's back. He, 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 first of all, he's got a great personality, got a great sense of humor, and like you said, the the entire NBA is, 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 loves the guy. He's just, and he's great. He's good at what he does. He's really good at what he does, and it, I'm, I'm glad to see him back. He he fought a tough battle, but God bless, he's back, and um, just another just another very 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 good piece to TNT's NBA coverage. <laughs> one of the better pieces, if if not the best piece they have, because they they're we know their in studio stuff is fantastic, but their their coverage of the game is is great, and he's a huge reason, if not one of the biggest reasons why. So. Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. Good to have him oh. back. Oh, it's <laughs> well, excellent, that, it is excellent that he's back. Um, you know, can't wait to see it. You know what? And he's one of the, the few, like, sideline side reporters that actually everybody respects. Gives a good answer. Even Popovich will sometimes give more than, like, two-word answers to the guy. <laughs> yes, he will, yes. And Greg Popovich, one of the greatest coaches of all time, does, does not enjoy that. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But he, no, is. he
2: he he gets a lot out of Popovich. He does.
3: <laughs> so it's just it's it's great to see him back. He he conquered leukemia. I believe it was leukemia. But he he beat the, he beat it. He's back, and it's just, it's fantastic to see. Yes, that's amazing. Now now uh, I have a terrible question for you. And you know what? I'll I'll just text it to you. Okay, Um,
2: all right, a couple of announcements um, after that great news. First off, I've gotten a lot of questions. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen next week. We know we're going to have a show on Tuesday. We are going to have a second show. I told you all at at all costs I'm going to try to avoid a daytime show. Right now, right now, I'm not going to make a formal announcement tonight. You'll get one on, on, on Tuesday as to what exactly is going on. Um, right now, I just want to give you all some insight into what I am, I am thinking. And what I'm thinking is this. I am thinking that we might record the show ahead of time and post it Thursday night and do that for the next few weeks when we're preempted on Thursday. Um, I think that's going to be the best way to go. That seems to be something that's, that can happen. We will see okay, you will get a formal, actual final announcement for me on this on Tuesday's show. And by that point, we might have already recorded the episode. So, and the idea is this. If we're going to record an episode, we're going to record an entertainment show because over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament. So it makes no sense to record that episode ahead. We might as well record episodes ahead that can be like the entertainment show, you know, you can do box office, but you can do stuff that... You know, you can, you can kind of record that ahead. You know, um, the stuff like, like sports stuff and that, like with the NCAA tournament going on, we can't really do that. So we will, if we, if we record an episode ahead, it will be the entertainment show, which makes sense because that's the Thursday show. Anyway, so stay tuned on that. You'll get a final answer from me on that on Tuesday's show. Um, that's that's one of the announcements. Other than that, on Tuesday, of course, we will have our normal sports show. Um, and we will, um, we will do our normal sports show, which will pretty much be an all-college basketball show. Again, we'll have our last bubble watch of the season. Feels like we haven't done any, but we will have our last bubble watch of the season. We'll talk about number one seeds. We'll kind of, you know, actually tonight, um... Tonight is the beginning of, like, conference tournament week, so we'll, start, we'll, we'll have some conference tournament games. Some of the smaller mid major conferences will be up against us. We'll talk about those games live as they happen. Talk about any auto bids that have already been awarded. You know, we'll do all that stuff. We'll set up the NCAA tournament, talk about everything that's going on in college basketball. That will pretty much be the bulk of our show on Tuesday. And, of course, if we have to, if anything is begging to be discussed, you know, or if, if our audience is pushing anything to be discussed from M- NBA, MLB, or any other sports, we we'll obviously get them, in, that will be on Tuesday's show. Um, so those are the only two announcements I have all related to next week. So that's what's coming up on Tuesday's show. And again, it's in regards to our second show next week, which will be an entertainment show, a box office, be film and TV picks of the week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as for that show, again, it, 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 it's, we're going to do that show, whether it's recorded ahead of time or not. We don't know yet. Again, I'll give you all a final answer and more information on that on Tuesday's show, which is our next show. Um, so there is one more thing I want to get to, and I kind of feel bad because we should have gotten to it on Tuesday. Um, and for whatever reason, I, we didn't, and we should have, so I, I apologize for that. But um, there is something that did take place um Late last week, when we weren't on the air, that that needs to be said. We did lose a tremendous actor and um, director, performer, um, creative mind, and that man is Leonard Nimoy. Now, um, obviously, he's he's known for Star Trek for portraying Spock on Star Trek, and always a fan favorite. You know, went to conventions where, where is uh, friend William Shatner you know very fan friendly very appreciative of his of the Star Trek fans always very giving even appearing in the reboot um, just a tremendously kind man very respectful very well liked and always engaging on Twitter <laughs> um, but what people don't know is and, and, and you know it's, it's it's often not mentioned is that yeah, he was a director too and producer and writer, etc., and, you know, he directed he directed quite a bit. He actually directed, for those that do not know, and, and maybe some of you are too young to know this, and maybe still my age, um, but he also directed movies like two, uh, Three Men and a Little uh, Three Men and a, Three Men and a Baby back in the late eighties, which had Tom Selleck, Ted Dance and Steven Gutenberg. Um, you know, he's he did a lot in his career and it was a very sudden loss. It's a very unfortunate loss. I know he was probably going to appear in, in the next Star Trek movie. They were going to celebrate the anniversary, and, and it's a shame he won't get the chance to do that. Um, we, we lost a really, really great man, a great actor, um, and our thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to his family, friends, fans, loved ones, um, and may he
0: rest in peace. He will, he will truly be missed. Mike, do you have anything to add? Uh,
3: yeah, I have a lot to add, actually. Um, I mean, he wasn't even just an actor, a director. He was a voice actor. He mm-hmm. was a producer. And he was a singer. He was a singer. He actually did one, two, three, four, five albums. And then he did a couple of spoken word albums, of all things. He was so just well-rounded. He, did, he was a great actor. Obviously, he was known for Spock. But, I mean, he he was in, like, everything. It's ridiculous. I mean, we talk about Samuel L. Jackson being in everything. Yeah. But look, listen to this. He was in Tragnet. He was in Broken Arrow. He was in Sea Hunt. Uh, Bonanza. Gunsmoke. Twilight Zone. Rawhide. Perry Mason. Uh, Outer Limits. Man from Uncle. Get Smart. Mission Impossible. Columbo. <laughs> I mean, T.J. Hooker, obviously he was in T.J. Hooker, and he directed a lot of T.J. Hooker, too. Uh, Obviously he showed up in The Simpsons a few times. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation uh, once or twice as Ambassador Spock. Uh, Futurama, Fringe, and The Big Bang Theory, obviously. But he was in, like, look, even before Star Trek, the guy was just um, in everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Even now, um, video games, he reached a whole new audience. Uh, In the Kingdom Hearts series, he was the big bad. He was going to be the biggest bad in the series, and he was phenomenal. He brought a gravitas to the role. Um, It was just, it was wonderful to, like, to, to have Mr. Spock in my series and he made the characters, like, the character was so evil but, you know, it's Spock it's Leonard Nimoy, so it, it's like, he's not that evil He he's pretty evil, of of course but <laughs> it's, he's in everything, and, and I think and, I mean You know, it's hard to say this, but I'm trying to put my words together. Um, I was always a bigger fan of Star Trek than Star Wars. Always. Uh, I know you and and Chris were always big fans of Star Wars. Right. Uh, Justin did not give a crap. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't. Um, But I was always a huge fan of Star Trek. Uh, mostly the new generation, that's what I grew up on, but, you know, you have to see the old stuff too, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, he was, he was a titan of sci-fi. He was one, he, if, if you were going to make a Mount Rushmore sci-fi, Nimoy is on it. Nimoy and Shatner, in fact, you know, you know how, and this is my opinion. All like conventions, sci-fi conventions, comic conventions, anime conventions got huge recently. You're, I mean, it, they're they're big, they're huge, they're 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 almost mainstream now. You know, back then, you know, like ten years ago, it wasn't cool to do conventions. But, and I think Star Trek did this a little bit better than Star Wars did. Um, the uh, the Star Trek actors kind of embraced it. Agreed. They embraced it, and they did it better than Star. Wars. I mean, I mean, Star Wars had—I don't want to say more mainstream, but Harrison Ford is probably the biggest star of probably both franchises, so he wouldn't have done it. But but even Mark Hamill. But Star Trek kind of made it popular to like go to these conventions because. Look, you, you'll you have Shatner and Nimoy show up, and then you'll have uh, Brent Spiner and LeVar Burton kind of doing some. And, uh, I mean, hell, Patrick Stewart, he does at least five or six a year. So I think Leonard Nimoy was a big loss for entertainment, but his loss was just immeasurable. To the sci-fi community, but in general, it's it, it's tough. This was this was a big big loss. Um, so, and uh, he he will be missed, but he did live long and prosper. And I I know it's bad, but he did. He did.
2: Very well said. Um. Okay, so now what we're gonna do is this. We're gonna we're gonna start on the box office beat first, and <laughs> it it was every this week's box this weekend's box office was every bit as I won't say soft. <laughs> Um, I guess it was predictably a lull weekend. We all expected it; it had to happen. February was a good month. It's kind of like it's, 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 first of all, if you're the, if you're Hollywood, if you're these studios, you have to love the way 2015 has opened, because both January and February followed the same kind of pattern. You know you. For the bulk of the months, you, you did great. In, in fact, you in, in some ways exceeded. A number of movies exceeded expectations. And you only buy, and then you know, the last week of the month, it's when it dropped off. And that's fine. You can live with that. March, now you've gotten to March. And March has become a huge month in recent years. We know that. For the last five, six years, it's become a big month. in a lot of ways, it's become bigger than February. February, right around the middle of February, used to, for a couple of weeks there, winter break, Valentine. it used to be, a big, it was a big period. And it still is, but March has kind of taken the reins as, as far as the, the the winter months outside of the holiday holiday movie season as a big month, and it's going to have some pretty big movies this month, and and especially next year with Batman versus Superman. So, you know, now if you're Hollywood, you're like, okay, we got March now, and that's usually brought us some good things. And then you got April, and then you're like, all right, you know what? Well, even if April's down, boy, we had a good January. We had a good February, March. You know, will probably be at least decent. We're in good shape as we head into the summer movie season, which is expected to be huge, especially in light of a certain trailer, and that, <laughs> that came out the other day, and it's got it has sparked ticket sales at the box office for a movie that's still not coming out for two months. Um, so you know, it's 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 it's. Uh, Y'all know what trailer I'm talking about. Hello Avengers. But um But yeah, I mean it's 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 Hollywood needs to be happy with the way things have opened and having one bad week a month that's really not even a horrible week. Yeah, is it bad when your number one movie can't break the twenty million dollar mark? Sure it is, but then you look at it and I always tend to say this. Let's look at what the rest of the box office does. And and you see eight movies over five million. That's a very good thing for the last week of February heading into March. That's a very good thing. Yeah, you could focus on the negative, like, oh, a movie starring Will Smith open in first for eighteen point six million. And yeah, you want to spend this like Will Smith, just like Johnny Depp. They've lost their box office draw. I always laugh at that. And here's why I laugh at that. You're only as good as your property, and I, I think we're going to have a we're going to do a full discussion of this on a future show because we've already discussed how people feel about Johnny Depp. A lot of the critics go, "Oh, he's not a draw anymore," but think about what he's done. Think about the kind of movies he's done, and and don't count the fourth Pirates movie because we as we talked about a few weeks ago. That movie was a, a huge success, and so what if it wasn't as big domestically as some of the previous Pirates movies? Internationally, it was just as big, so it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter where you make your money, and domestically, it, it did very, it did pretty good here. So, you know, you can spin any, anything into negative if you really try, and I think a lot of times they do that with that movie. But here's the thing. What has Will Smith done? I love every article I read this weekend about the box office. Well, Will Smith had a a, a a flop. All right. Well, well. Let's think about something for a second. And they're like, oh, his box office draw has faded. Let's think about this for a second. Aside from Men in Black Three, which was highlighted in every article I, almost every article I saw this week this weekend, as Will Smith's one and only recent hit. What big blockbusters has he done? None. The one that he did do, which was the one big blockbuster he did do that had commercial and mainstream appeal, was a hit, and that was Men in Black Three. Everything else has been a risky preposition, a, a passion project for him, or you know what, a, a movie like Focus, which will, will more than likely have a limited audience anyway and, have a, and will struggle to get over. I understand, you know, it's a kind of a comedy, dramedy kind of thing. I understand what it's for. Margot Robbie's great and everything. But that's not a movie that's going to be an instant guaranteed draw. So saying that just because of that movie and some of his more recent efforts, he's, he's lost his box office draw is ridiculous. Because you want to know something, you stick him in a Men in Black movie again, and I'm sure you, it's going to be profitable. You stick him in a guaranteed commercial mainstream property, like a big action vehicle, like iRobot or something, it's probably going to draw. Because those are more guarantees, and I think that plays more to what people expect from him. Same thing with Johnny Depp. Stick him in in a pirate's outfit as a Mad Hatter, and I assure you it's going to be profitable. Because that's what people have come to expect from him. They want the over-the-top. They want the crazy. They want something that that is r- larger than life. And that will balance out the more serious movies. They want to do the mix things up. Same thing with Will Smith. For every movie like Focus, for every movie that he wants to do with his son, like After Earth, if he throws in an occasional Men in Black movie or an occasional superhero movie, like he's going to be doing Suicide Squad, which, regardless of how I feel probably make a, 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 a make a profit he's he's
0: gonna be fine he'll make a he'll he'll show that he still has drawing power That's what people forget about it's about the property. It's not as simple as somebody being able to draw
2: if that were the case and every single thing Robert downey jr does he'd draw it. But we didn't see the judge make $200 million, did we? And that's not a knock on the judge. It was actually a pretty good film. But that's the truth. His audience right now, the bulk of his audience is mainstream, and they expect him to be in an Iron Man suit or Sherlock Holmes. So unless he's doing something like that or playing one of those two characters, they're not going to come out in droves to see the judge. Again, no disrespect meant. But you have to understand, people eventually... Come to ter- come to expect something from an actor or an actress, and when they get used to that, that's what they're going to come out for. Something similar to that, or what exactly it is that they like about that person. If if it's them as Iron Man or as Sherlock Holmes, they're going to want them that performer in the, as that character or something similar that plays to that. Otherwise, it's, they're probably not going to draw as much. And then, I mean, it's easier to knock that. You can sit there and go all you want. Well, you should be able to draw on anything. No, you should, you, no, not everybody's like that. I think it's easier for a comedic actor, all right? I think, at the, like, like Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum can cross over and make a romantic comedy or a pure romance movie and then cross over and make 22 Jump Street, and he's going to be successful no matter what. But, but I think that's easier because guess what? This female fan base is going to follow him no matter what he does. And then when he gets and does, goes and does a comedy like 22 Jump Street, he's going to have a young adult following, which include a lot of males. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see that. And, of course, the house have got Jonah Hill standing next to you has a huge fan base, too. But in some ways, I think it's easier for comedic actors. Action-adventure actors, I don't think it action actors, you know, that try to break into drama and stuff like that. I think it's a little more difficult especially in this day and age when so many actors that are doing superhero movies, action movies, a lot of them like to try to do a a serious movie on the side, maybe a limited budget movie, a small budget movie. And then, you know, people go, well, maybe well, that, that actor should be able to draw a lot of people to see that small budget movie. No, that's not how it works. And see, here's the thing, if you're a comedic actor or you're an actor in a romantic comedy trying to do a com- crossover comedy, a lot of those movies have small budgets. A lot of them do. There are very few big, large-budget co- comedies and big, large-budget romantic movies and stuff. There's very few of that. So you're more likely to guarantee to make a profit off those movies unless you really flop, whereas an action movie, an adventure movie, is always going to have a high budget. So it's, it's, it's fighting an uphill battle. So, I don't think it's as simple an argument as some, some make it out to be. Where, well, you know what? He don't draw anymore. Now, Will there come a time when an actor like Will Smith or an actor like Johnny Depp doesn't draw anymore? Yeah. I get the arguments about Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis cannot draw a, t- a draw at the box office anymore on his own. In the right role... With the right cast around him, yeah, he can. But he's been in a lot of big-budget blockbuster movies over the years, and whilst the majority of them have made a profit, they're not, it's not a significant one. And it's proven that, yeah, he's lost a lot of his drawing power. But that's been proven. When, when you don't make the same amount of money in movies that you, people have come to know you in and come to appreciate you in, then you know you've lost your drawing power. But if you can turn around and go out there and play Jack Sparrow again and still carve up an $800 million box office, regardless of whether the percentage of of domestic is is more so than international, then you know you can still draw. That's the difference, and that's important to know. So focus, was it a disappointment? Mm, I I mean, it's a $50 million budget, which I can't understand, but I guess you can view it as that. It's at thirty five point five million so far. It might end up equaling its budget and making somewhat of a profit. You know, but then again, most people only think it was gonna make about twenty million this weekend anyway, so it's not that far off. Now the other major movie this past weekend released was The Lazarus Effect. And that movie brought in uh ten point two million. Now that movie's only budgeted at three point three million, so it's that. And I love I love when people label a movie like that. Well oh, that flopped only made ten million its first weekend. It had a three point three million dollar budget. It wasn't even, it wasn't advertised that much. It wasn't expected to draw huge. In fact it did that was good. Especially in late February and especially all the competition out. It did pretty well. And the funny part was most people were expecting between nine and twelve million for that movie. So it fell right in expectations. There's no bad news there with that movie. Now, how did some of the holdovers do? Pretty much right according to plan. Um, Kingsman maybe held up a, l- a little bit better, but, you know, but pretty much everything held up right according to plan, right around where they should have. Um, I guess if you're looking for another surprise, it's that American Sniper... Um, Maybe held up a little bit better than you would have expected, but that's that's and that's nitpicking. It, 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 it didn't hold up that much better. Um, but pretty much everything held up according to plan. The Duff held up a lot better than expected. Most were saying five, five and a half, held up near seven million. So that, that's that's a pretty good sign for that movie. And again, small budget on that one, so it's in good shape. So generally, everything went according to plan for the most part. On this weekend, and even Focus, which many people are going to go, oh, that was a flop. Or oh. it, I mean, again, most respecting, you know, $20 twenty million, eighteen, twenty million, including myself, it wasn't that far off. So I don't, know, I don't know what, I don't know why you, you would classify it as a, a major flop. As for my predictions, I predicted Focus would be in first with eighteen and a half million, and look at that, it came in first with eighteen point six. I was really close to that. How often does that happen? So I got that one right, and again, that's a lot of people said 18 to 20 million, so that's not that that wasn't off really. Um, so I, I don't think it did too bad. And second, I had the Lazarus effect with 11.5 million. The Lazarus effect came actually in fifth with 10.2 million. Um, I said that second through uh, fifth place was probably going to be close, and it was. So I was a little off on the Lazarus effect. Uh, coming in, in third, I had Kingsman: The Secret Service, ten and a half million. Kingsman did come in. Se- uh, Kingsman came in second. Pardon me, with eleven point eight. So finished a little bit better than expected. So basically, those two flip flopped. If I flip flopped those predictions, I would have had it right. In uh, fourth, I had SpongeBob movie with ten million. SpongeBob movie came in third with ten point eight. So I was close, but not close enough. I had to be from five hundred thousand, and I wasn't. In fifth was 50, I had Fifty Shades of Grey, nine and a half million. Fifty Shades of Grey came in fourth, dropping from first, ten and a half million. So did a little bit better than expected, so I got that one wrong. In sixth I had McFarland USA uh with seven million. McFarlane USA came in sixth with seven point eight, so again I was a little off. In seventh was American Sniper with six million. Uh American Sniper finished in seventh with seven point three, so again a little bit off. And then in eighth I had the Duff with five and a half million. Duff did finish in eighth but with six point eight million. So that one did a, uh a pr- fairly good amount of expectations. So so I got, number one, I got the first place movie right. I was exactly right, which is good for me. I hardly ever do that for the first place movie. Um, and everything else I was a little off on, and some movies either finished... Actually, the majority of movies uh, finished a slightly above expectations, and I just missed out on a couple of them. But that's going to happen again. None of these numbers were outside the realm of possibility. Everything pretty much fell in line with expectations, so... No big surprises, no big shocks. And even though I was off on everything but one, you know, again, it was in the realm of possibility. So I was close on a number of them, just not close enough. Um, but that happened. So one out of one out of eight right for me on the predictions. Let me roll through these one more time, so you guys get the actual numbers if you don't, didn't hear them. Uh, and first, again, was last week's. Biggest release focus eighteen point six million in second staying put in second and holding up well yet again Kingsman the Secret Service eleven point eight million thirty five point two percent drop off which is great for week three that movie's done incredibly well for itself it's well over its budget at this point um, no worries there two hundred twenty two point one million so it should definitely get a sequel lit, I'd imagine uh, staying put in third the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water ten point eight million thirty four point seven percent drop off which is terrific. That movie, again, doing extremely well. $237.8 million on its $74 million budget. No worries there. Dropping from first to fourth, 50 to ten gray, 10.5 million, 52.6% drop-off, which isn't too bad, and, and it's kind of expected for its third week. Debuting in fifth, The Last Effect, $10.2 million, again, on a $3.3 million budget. Very good. Dropping from fourth to sixth, McFarlane USA, $7.8 million, 28.9% drop-off. That movie held up very well. And it's done surprisingly well over two weeks, so good for them. Dropping from 6th to 7th, American Sniper, 7.3 million, 26.4% drop-off. Movie continues to do well, even after the Oscars. That's very good for them. Um, And the studio. Dropping from 5th to 8th, The Duff, 6.8 million, 36.5% drop-off, which is actually really good, considering many people thought that movie would drop more sharply. So good for them. Uh, a couple other little notes. Still, Alice moved up from 11 to 9, 2.6 million, 24.4% drop-off, so clearly getting some after-Oscars boost there, as it gained 553 theaters as well. Um, hot Tub Timers can continue to crash, 59% uh, in its second weekend, down to 2.4 million. That movie just completely flopped. Um, and Birdman also got a boost from the after-Oscar uh, um, Burman also got after Oscar boost here with $1.9 million, um, as it gained 806 theaters. So you did you expect that. That, you know, um, you expect that giving it one best picture. So, all right, so that's how that's how we done the predictions, and that's the complete list of, and all the notable – things about last weekend's box office. If you want the complete listing, complete numbers, complete statistics, you can head over to the box office mojo. And this will go under the weekend of February 27 for the complete lists and rankings and information. If you want more information, Mike, do you have anything to add about last weekend's box office?
3: Will Smith is going to bomb. He is in the twilight of his career. He can't make a profitable movie to save his life unless it's Men of Black 3. <laughs> Although, in all seriousness, um, look, Focus was supposed to be one of those like cool caper movies, you know? But, I don't know. To me, it just didn't look very good. And that's not that I don't like Will Smith or Margot Robbie or anything. It's just for me I don't know if it wa- I don't know if it knew what it wanted to be did it want to be more oceans 11 did it want to be more Jason Bourne it, it, it just seemed like it was out of focus
2: oh I see what you did there
3: yeah I know I was hoping the who would just show up in the background it didn't I'm a little disappointed um but it just it it didn't look good. I mean, I like Will Smith. I have liked Will Smith. Um, but honestly, I I don't give a crap about everything he's done after Men in Black Three. I don't. I mean, look, Seven Pounds was good. Hancock was good. I didn't care about I Am Legend. Pursuit of Happiness was good. Hitch was cool. Shark Tale sucked, but we don't hold that against them. iRobot was interesting. But, I mean, honestly, he look, he took years off in between 7 pounds and MIB 3. Men in Black 3 proved he's still a draw. After Earth after proved that eh, maybe not so much. I think Will Smith kind of needs a, like another big kind of movie. Focus wasn't it. I think it'll probably be a probably be like profitable, but I I don't think that was uh, his movie. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that was his. I mean he's got Suicide Squad coming in two years, or excuse me, next year. Uh, He's got this movie called Concussion coming out. And uh, on Christmas this year, uh, I guess it's about football. So he's trying to get an Oscar. (laughs) Um, But I think he needs a big movie that isn't related to DC or his son or Scientology. Alright, he he needs men in black four. Okay. He needs Men in Black Four. Or he well, another another kind of big thing I think. I mean other than that, I mean uh I the duff is actually profitable. Uh hot tub time machine is almost profitable to your chagrin. Um and the box office was dead this weekend. So what? Uh, I mean, it is what it is. To to your point, though. And
2: and one of the biggest things, and I one of the biggest things that's been in discussion in regards to Will Smith, is you know they're making Independence Day 2.
1: Yes. Which has been and, um,
2: long in development for for a long time. And they've they've begun the casting process and they cast an actor that's going to play his character's son in the movie. And the rumor is that he wanted his son, his real-life son, Will wanted his real-life son, to play the character. And if that didn't happen, he wouldn't agree to be in the movie. And they think that's why he refused to do the movie. Now, that's a rumor. We don't know how true that is. Um, Bill Pullman's coming back. Jeff Goldblum's coming back. They're bringing on Liam Hemsworth to portray um, the president's daughter, uh, president's daughter. I'm sorry. Wow. The uh, the president's daughter's husband, or fiancé.
3: Sorry right. about we, that. Honestly, if Liam Hemsworth comes on to play <laughs> the president's daughter, then let's just nominate that guy for an Oscar right now.
2: <laughs> no, I apologize. He's playing the president, who's played by Bill Pullman, um, um he's playing his son-in-law um,
3: in the movie. Dustin so, Dustin, Hoff, Dustin Hoffman can eat his heart out, suck yeah. it, Betsy.
2: <laughs> no, but but you know what? That movie. Now look, could that movie flop? Yeah, but there's a good chance that movie. There's been a lot, a lot of people have wanted that sequel for a long time. It's been in development for a long time. Um, maybe they missed. Maybe they missed their opportunity. Maybe they went, but he. He he really should jump on that and get, that that's worth the risk. I mean that's the kind of vehicle he needs to kind of get back. Other than I mean yeah, Men in Black Four if he wants to go for it, but but I mean this this that's the kind of vehicle he needs. And and by the way, the actor they found to the play his character's son looks very much like him. So it's it's a good but casting job. I it think,
3: wasn't. But, but it wasn't Jaden Smith.
2: Yeah <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> um, uh, and to be honestly, I'm not a big fan of Jaden Smith acting anyway. Hey, but will it? And you will will can be. That's fine. But I don't want to see a Jaden Smith movie. And after After Earth, <laughs> no, nah, I don't think a lot of people want to see a Jaden Smith movie. And that's not a crack. That's just a statement of fact it didn't do good at all. I mean,
2: the Karate Kid reboot with him did do well, but it was him on his own. I, I, I Again, I, I'm not going to say that a Will and Jaden Smith project can't work, okay? But it has to be the right project, and you can't force it on every single project.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, you're right. You're right. It, it, look, look. pursuit of happiness was a will and jaden smith project right and that movie was pretty damn good it was it was uh so no no nothing against will and jaden smith is an on-screen duo it's just after earth you were forcing it so hard it was ridiculous it was a, a joke after a while right um and now if these rumors are true you're forcing it on Independence Day. That's not a good thing. It's not. Um, if you force it on something like Men in Black, look, I'm all in on Men in Black 4, but if Jaden Smith is going to be forced into it, then I might take a step back and just say, I might watch this on, like, Netflix.
2: Right. It, 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 it has to be, look, and, and here's the thing, and I, and and I, you know what, like, you know, he's a, Will's a father. He might go, oh, I'm trying to find career opportunities for my son. Jaden doesn't, doesn't need that help. He, he he got the karate kid, and he did the movie and it did very well. He, it did very well. Now, Will wants to guide him on some of the choices and stuff as far as what projects. But I'm sure Jaden can get projects on his own. And I'm sure there's plenty of projects for him to work on pick the project and then if if one happens to pop up or an opportunity happens to pop up or a director says, "You know what? Hey, well, we want you in this room, We also have a we actually have a role for Jaden. We think he'll it would suit him." Thing okay. But don't force the issue. I I mean, assuming that's the case. Don't force the issue. There's no need. It's not like he it's not like he, he hasn't gotten a good career start. Like you said, the pursuit of happiness, it was great. He did the Karate Kid on his own. He did pretty well. I know he did a couple of Disney things, um, Disney shows and stuff. I mean, like he's—I mean, it's not like the kid wasn't doing things. He was—he he has projects. He can find projects. It's, he, you know, heck, you know, maybe eventually they can get him. In, uh, J- Jada can get him involved in Gotham. I mean, you don't know. No,
3: no, no, let, let no.
2: Let's,
1: let's go there. <laughs> I, I no.
3: think Jade is having a hard enough time on Gotham as it is.
2: <laughs> Very true,
3: um, but no. Look, well, this is that, specul- that's not personal. That's just watching it. Her character is just not uh, not working. Her character's
2: going nowhere right now. Yeah. Um, like I said, though, we don't know if if that's the reason why he's holding back on independence there or not. That's a rumor. I hope for whatever. I hope for his sake he joins up on the movie. It, it would it wouldn't be the same without him. They got everybody else coming back. And his character is vitally important. So, um it
3: it, it, it to, just to your point, you're right. It needs to be organic. Yeah. It just needs to be organic. If you want to work with Jaden Smith, look, you just got to wait for the right thing. You can't just force him to everything and you, everything you're doing. Right. <laughs> Not okay. Especially since he wants to be emancipated anyway. Right, I I right. don't know what happened with that. I I, I actually don't care. <laughs> I have no
2: idea where that went. It, it was a big but it, story for a while, and then it it
3: it was a big story. Like, oh, Will Smith, Will and Jada's kids want to be emancipated, and everyone's like, why do we even care about this? It's none of our business. <laughs> <laughs> and and honestly, I don't care. Uh, it's like, hey but it's, but once in a while, you're like, hey, I wonder if Jaden Smith's going emancipated. And you realize, oh, wait, I've got better things to do. (laughs) It's Um, it's one of of those trivia things that nobody really wants to know.
2: Right, right. All right, so we move on from last week and move on to a weekend that I think is going to look somewhat similar to last week, maybe a little better. Like this week's uh, number one movie will probably break 20 million. It might not break it by much. Some people think it'll break it by break it pretty well, uh, by, by by a good amount. I don't know if it will. I don't have as much faith in this movie. Um, not necessarily. Not not necessarily that I don't have faith in the movie. I just don't have a lot of faith that the audience is going to come out to see it as much as some other people do. Um, you have through let Let's see here. How many? There are. Three major releases. Actually, I take that back. Two major releases and a semi-major release. Let's talk about the biggest release, that movie, Chappie, a sci-fi action film from Sony Columbia, opening in 3,201 theaters. R-rated, sci-fi action film, directed and written by Neil Blomkamp, who, of course, did District 9, uh, Elysium. He's going to be doing a new Alien movie, um, starring with the voice of Sreeder Copley as Chappie, Hugh Jackman, Sigourney Weaver, um, in a lot of ways in the same kind of vein as District 9, as far as like if you look at the look of the film, and I I guess kind of like the same kind of universe in a way. Um, And then the second biggest release uh, is Unfinished Business, a comedy from Fox opening in 2,777 theaters an R-rated comedy, I think the first major one of the year, only $35 million budget, so that's, it's not, that's not too bad. It could, it could maybe get there, get, to, get there, I think. Um, Dave Franco, Sienna Miller, Vince Vaughn, and Tom Wilkinson, all-star. Uh, both these two major movies have been very well marketed. Uh, and I, I, I actually have a lot more faith in unfinished business um, than a lot of a lot of the box office pundits out there do. I have more faith in that than Chappie. I'm not saying that it's gonna beat Chappie, okay? I don't think it will. Here's the thing you gotta remember. Both of these new releases are R rated. So the audience is limited. So you know, and this and, and, and that doesn't mean either movie can't break twenty million. We've we've seen tons of R rated comedies and sci-fi movies that are beat twenty million but at this at this point in the year, there's no like you know holiday breaks or anything people aren't out of school or anything was some colleges have winter was uh, some colleges have spring break yet, but even then, none of these movies and what' spring break it'd be more likely to see unfinished business and chappie i i think um based on you know I, the, the audience and who is in these respective movies um but I we, let me tell you, let me say this: both movies been well marketed, and the R rating does limit them. But here's the thing, and here's why I have more faith in Unfinished Business. We haven't had a real uh, 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 R rated comedy this year. We haven't had a true comedy this year, period, except, except for Hot Tub Timers, and that didn't do well at all. I think people want a comedy. This movie has, when you've seen the trailers, commercials, it appeared funny. I think this movie. I don't expect it to break 20 million. Okay, I've seen people say 10, 11 million. I think it can get to 15, maybe a little less. I think that's a, that's a fairly decent um, ambition. I think that's a fairly decent prediction, uh, and I, I think it has a good chance at that. Now, Chappie the interesting case because. I remember when District 9 came out, a lot of people were were, were like, oh, this ain't going to do very well. It's going to be very limited in what it does. But it had a good critical reception to back it up. Everything you were hearing, the reviews were fantastic. This one's got very middling reviews, very, very, you know, back, very back and forth, very all over the place. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are indifferent to it. It's a very broad spectrum of reviews, and that doesn't bode well because it really would rely on that, just like District 9 did. And that's how District 9 was able to do very well in the summer of all times, even though it was August, which it it had a better chance anyway to do well. But still was able to, to get people's attention because of the good word of mouth and, of course, critics. And it was an alien movie. I think that helped, too. And it was very mysterious in its scope. This movie, they didn't, you know, they didn't create a lot of mystery. They didn't create a lot of art. It's just kind of like, oh, this, 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 here's a robot. He's got AI. He's talking. He's, he's, you know, learning as he goes, you know. I mean, we've seen this kind of story before. And it feels almost kind of lazy. And you would think, you uh, know, Brockham, who did District 9, Elysium, would be a little more original in that. So he's kind of turning off a lot of the things a lot of people that were interested in him as a director because this doesn't seem as creative an effort. You know, I think as uh, the more we've gotten into knowing about this movie, it's been like, oh, you know, there's really not a whole lot here unique about this movie. We've seen this kind of story before. And now you're just relying on whether people are just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go see it just because I want to see an action movie that has a little bit of a heart and soul to it. You know, I think that's kind of what's going on now, and if that's the case, then you you can't see it making much more than 20 million. So, I mean, anybody that's out there saying 21, 22, I can understand that. I don't even, I don't, I don't know. I could see it finishing under 20. I'm predicting 20 million even, but I could see it finishing under 20 because I just don't know if it's gotten over with the with the, with the with an audience. And I think that people are going to see through it and go, Wow, it's not it's not something I haven't seen before. So, that's a problem. Um, so, now, we've discussed the two major releases. What about the semi-major release? That's the second-best exotic Marigold Hotel, a comedy drama from Fox 3. right, opening in 1,573 theaters, PG, um, Fox 3. right, again, doing the movie. It's already made $9.4 million overseas. Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Bill Nye, Richard Gere, David Strahan, and Dev Patel, all-star, this movie's not expected to do great numbers. They don't expect it to do great numbers. If it makes around $7, 8000000 in the weekend, they'll be happy. Even if it makes it a little less, they'll be happy. It's not a hugely budgeted movie. It's just If it does what the first one did or even close to it, they'll be happy. It's as simple as that. Not much to say other than that. It's basically a limited release. Actually, it's a slightly above limited release level movie. And it's, and it's coming out earlier in the year. I mean, you would think it would be early, early in the year for awards plus, I would think. You would think that they'd wait a little longer on it, but then again, you know, that, that, old, that old belief that you have to come out later in the year to get awards consideration, that kind of has gone out the window in recent years. You've seen some movies come out in March and April and get the recognition at the Oscars and such. so that's not really a, a thing anymore. So, all right, those are your three, well, two major releases and the one semi-major release. Um... So before we get to the predictions, I want to throw in a mic. Any thoughts on this week's box office?
3: I was too busy reading the latest One Piece chapter to actually pay attention. So um no.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough.
3: Although right. the latest One Piece chapter was really, really good.
2: Oh. Good to know. Um Okay, so here we go. I've already kind of spoiled what I think is going to be number one, and that is Chappie. I'm going to go with 20 million. Again, it would not surprise me if it finishes under. Wouldn't surprise me if it finishes a little over. But I don't expect a lot much, a lot more over 20 million if it gets above it. Um, and second, I'm going unfinished business. I'm going higher than you're probably going to see anybody go. I'm going 15 million. I will say this: I would not surprise me if it does even a little bit better than that. It would, it wouldn't surprise me if it does a little less than that. But I do not think it's it's going to do, like, 10, 11 million like some people said. I think it's going to do better than at least that. I think people have been waiting for a fairly decent comedy. I think you're seeing that with the Duff. The Duff is doing better than expected. Um, you know, Hot Top Time Machine didn't, but I just think that's because people didn't want to see it, <laughs> if they thought it was unnecessary. Um, but I think I think you're going to see them, uh, uh, Unfinished Business do a little bit better. Vince Vaughn is... You know, a draw still isn't comedy, even though last year he had a flop. Dave Franco has become very popular. I, I think this movie will do pretty well. It looks like a good premise that's going to interest people, and I think it'll do better than expected. So, um, Unfinished Business in second I'm going with. And then third, I'm going with last week's box office champion, Focus, $10 million. That's generally where everybody's going, $10 million, so I'll stick with that. Can't see it doing much worse or much better than that. And fourth, I'm going with Kingsman, The Secret Service, $8 million. Based on how it's holding up, that seems about right. And fifth, I'm going with the second best exotic merry hotel seven million generally where everybody's going is six and a half seven million. It could do a little a little under that, even a little over that, but you wouldn't expect much more than that. They'll be satisfied with whatever they get i think um it's not a, it's a small budget movie, so they're not they're not you know they're they they will not care if it only makes about six seven million or so. Um, sixth, in 6th, sixth, I'm going with the Spongebob movie, $6.5 makes That seems like a sensible choice or sensible, sensible prediction based on its, how it's held up. In 7th, I'm going with McFarland, USA, $5.5 Again, it's been holding up. The way it's been holding up, that seems about right, right around that general vicinity it should be. And In 8th, I'm going with two movies because I, I think they're going to both be. In fact, McFarlane USA, and these next two movies are all going to be very close in predictions. And, and and that might even be true of everything from second best Marigold Hotel down to this these next two movies. So second best Marigold Hotel, Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Spongebob, McFarland USA, and Fifty States of Grand American Sniper, I think are all going to be very close. all in five to seven million. You know, you could see some some you know, movement there and and maybe the rankings will be a little different. But I could see them all being very close, much like Places third through uh, six, seven were tight last week. In eighth, I'm going with Fifty States of Grey, five million. and American Sniper, five million. Now, obviously, I don't think they're going to both finish with exactly five million. I don't think they're going to be finishing tied or tied for eighth place or anything. But because again, we're doing ranges here within five hundred thousand, I'm putting them both in eighth and saying five million because I think they'll be both in or around five million based on how they've been holding up. So you know, you might see American Sniper right around four point nine, five point one, five point two, etc. And I think you'll see Fifty Shades of Grey right around there. McFarlane USA will probably be right in around five and a half more, or maybe even a little better, based on how it's been holding. And you could see any one of those three movies um, out, um, outgross the other. I mean, the, 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 the bottom half of the rankings are going to be very, from like again, from like fifth, from like fifth place down, from fifth to eighth place, fifth, fifth to eighth, ninth place is going to be very, very tight this week at the box office yet again. I think so. Should be pretty close. So those are your box office predictions. Again, number one, Chappie, 20 million, unfinished business. Second, 15 million. Third, Focus, 10 million. Ford, Kingsman: The Secret Service, 8 million. Second best, Exact, Marigold Hotel, and fifth with 7 million. SpongeBob Movie, six with six and a half million. McFarland, USA, seven, five and A's, 50 Shades of Grey in America, Center for both with five million. Those are your predictions for the first full weekend of March. March 6th, the weekend of March 6th, we'll see how it goes. Should be. Almost a similar weekend at the box office to this week, but bigger things are on the horizon. This might be the reverse month where, you know, the last two months, the last week of the month has brought the lower numbers, not horrible numbers, but lower, whereas the rest of the month, you're going to have much bigger properties and no doubt much more successful uh, weekends. Um, Next week, you have two major releases, both opening over 3,000 theaters. Cinderella, the newest version of Cinderella, live-action version from Disney. Um, And then Run All Night, the latest William Neeson thriller. So already you're noticing next week some bigger movies that should draw pretty well. So this month's going to be kind of the reverse of the previous two months, I think, with the first week being the lowest, and then the rest of the month will be pretty high. So we'll talk more about those two movies. Cinderella run all night on next week's box office, which will chronicle the weekend of March 13th. So we'll be talking about Friday the 13th again, <laughs> like we did last month. So two Friday the 13th in the same year. How about that? Um, all right, so we'll talk more about those movies in next week's box office beat. So from that, from the box office beat, we move on to our TV and film pictures. I'm going to do the film picks of the week first. Why am I going to do the film picks of the week first? Well, here's why. Because number it's gonna be quick because uh well actually it's 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 well, okay, I take that back um well, it's gonna be quick because we don't have a lot to get to because really, um I know my co-host Mike has not seen very many movies this year, and we are in the twenty fifteen movies um now, you know, based on what we've seen, and I haven't seen very many I've probably seen more movies than him, but I haven't seen very many movies this year. So, um, here's the movies that we're going to talk about tonight as our picks. Mike, I know you've seen Taken 3, I'm going to let you do that one, and then I am going to do, um, I just forgot what I was going to say, um, The Wedding Ringer, and I'm going to wait on Kingsman, because that seems about right, so... Uh, since I've been talking a lot, I'm going to let you go first and do Taken 3.
3: Yes, you have been talking a lot. It's a just blessing. But Taken 3, all right, well, they changed the formula up a bit. Somebody does get taken, just not in the regular way. Um, let's see. If you liked Taken 2, you'll probably like Taken 3. I like Taken 2. So I enjoyed Taken 3. You're going to, if you look, if you go in expecting uh, the greatest movie of all time, then you, you, you probably haven't seen a Taken movie. If you go in expecting Liam Neeson to beat the ever-living piss out of about dozens upon dozens of people, make every other person on screen look like a jackass, and just being uh, a great action movie, then, God, you're going to like Taken. You're going to like Taken. Three. Um just a couple things I wasn't a fan of Dew Gray Scott. Uh I I know why they replaced Stewart. Uh I guess they won I guess Liam Neeson wanted to work with him and uh they felt that Dew Gray Scott would be a better better choice for the role of Stewart. I I, I I didn't like him. I don't think he added very much to it, except for like swarminess. Which you needed because well there's a big swerve. Um but did did do Grace Scott need to be in this movie? No. He didn't add anything, it wasn't great. Um Forrest Whitaker though, he was fun. Forest Whitaker played the uh the police um captain charged with takes to be tasked with trying to catch Liam Neeson. Brian Mills. Oh, man. But, of course, Forrest Whitaker knows pretty pretty quickly that Brian's innocent. So, it was a fun, fun movie. Um, Forrest was great. Liam was great. Maggie Grace was great when, you know, when the little she got. Um, Famke Jansen was, well, she was good for what, you know, her role was. not wasn't super big was not super big at all, new Grace Scott was a kind of a drag it wasn't wasn't one of the stronger fights in the movie, but the movie was fine. movie was fun. Liam meeson kicked ass. I got out what I wanted so look, if you like a pretty solid action movie or if you're a fan of Liam Meeson just walking on screen and literally just beating the s h i p out of people then this is this is your film. <laughs> So yes, I enjoyed Taken Three. I'm gonna give it 16 out of four spotlights. Why not? I don't know. I don't even know what your straight is anymore. I don't really care. But and if you're and if you're into William
2: Neeson movies where he kicks ass, he's got another one coming out next week.
3: I know, but that one seems a little bit more like dramatic.
2: Um,
3: and... But it, it, it's more less Taken Three and more Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah,
2: so, I'm sure he's which ready. I which
3: I haven't seen, I am very interested in seeing. So, right.
2: Um, all right.
3: So, the Wedding Ringer.
2: Um, here's a movie. Even though I like Kevin Hart, and it's funny because last year I started off my 2015 film year seeing a comedy with Kevin Hart. Um, I wasn't exactly like racing out to see this movie. It's just I it happened to be out, and we needed to see a, We wanted to see a movie, and we went and saw the movie. And I'm happy I did because I had a lot of worries about this movie. I thought it was just going to be very gimmicky. I thought it was going to be like a lot, of, no disrespect meant to Vince Vaughn, but he, he, you know, I thought it was going to be a very lazy kind of effort like a lot of Vince Vaughn's movies uh, have been over the years where it's just like the premise seems funny, but it, it, it's like they try too hard and it just comes off like, oh, well, that gimmick was just, it's like gimmick, doing having a gimmicky premise for the sake of having a gimmicky premise. This movie had a unique premise. It's never been done before. Um, you know, having somebody portray a best man when they don't even know the person and make a business out of it, you know. I was surprised by how well done it was. Because it required, you know... We've gotten to a point now. Kevin Hart's been in so many movies, and he's hilarious. He is. We've gotten to the point now where it feels like a lot of times now he plays this, he plays himself on, on screen, and therefore it's the same character over and over again. And that's a, and that that was becoming a problem. And then you get this movie, and I was surprised because he actually. And maybe it's because he always has to portray something different depending on who he's working for. Maybe that's why, but it worked because he had to do things differently. And then, I mean, yeah, he'd have the occasional moment where he'd drop into like ranting and raving and be kind of like he usually is, Kevin Hart, you know. But they were few and far between, and he had to actually act in this movie. He had to show some range, and it worked. I was really impressed with it. There was a couple of really neat swerves. There's great character growth throughout the movie. It's a great cast. Josh Gad was really good in it. And this movie had some really funny moments that, thankfully, all the the, the funniest stuff wasn't even in the trailer. And I was worried about that because this movie had the feel of, like, everything that's in the – the funniest stuff's in the commercial, in the trailer, I had the feel of that. You know, we've seen that over and over again. That not, was not the case. It was – even though it had a very quick running time, it didn't show. It, it the movie felt still complete. I was pleased with it. It's prop. It might end up being even though it's been highly profitable, might end up being a very underappreciated movie. I, I would take any. Even if you're not a fan of Kevin Hart, I would say take a chance and see it. Check it out. It was a very very good comedy, and it's, in fact, it's funny. I mentioned earlier there hasn't been a true R-rated comedy or a true comedy here, but. Actually, there was. It was The Wedding Ringer. But it's been enough time, so a movie like Unfinished Business to still do well. Um, but yeah, this movie was very good. I, out of four stars, I'd give it about... I'd give it three. It was that good. It was a very good... Very good film. Um, and Jeff Tech has just brought, up, brought something to my attention, I, and I probably should. I wasn't going to bring up this movie tonight, but I probably should before I forget about it. I want to give... Before everybody forgets about it, cause i got a feeling that might happen... We were talking about Johnny Depp earlier, and one of the reasons why we were talking about Johnny Depp in late January and talking about him again, one of the reasons why the whole Johnny Depp box office draw thing has come up is because of Mordecai. And that was a movie that came out in late January, um, did not do very well, and sadly it it deserved to. And I kind of had a feeling it wasn't going to. It's very much a kind of niche movie. It's very Pink Panther-like, and I want to just really quick give a, uh, a recommendation on that. Very very fun movie. I mean, it's not masterpiece theater, okay, but it's a very fun movie. Uh, quirky, a little bit of a, a, a better version of a Wes Anderson movie probably is a good thing. But very Pink Panther like and very fun. And Johnny's Johnny's great in the role, the main the main character. Paul Bettany is fantastic as his sidekick uh, bodyguard. And Greta, Greta Paltrow does a very good job in her role. She's supposed to be more of the serious type. She does a good job. And, and nice to see E. McGregor getting work. And he was, he played off Johnny Depp very well in this movie. A very amusing movie. It starts off very slow, but once you get into it, it's, it's a very fun, very well-done movie. And I would recommend it. You're not going to be able to see it in theaters probably anymore if you're lucky. But... I'd very, if, I'd seek it out if, um, if you like kind of like Pink Panther, like quirky Wes Anderson type deals. Um, I'd seek it out. It was a very, it was, it was a sour movie. I'd give it about, I'd give it two and a half out of four. Um, on that, on that scale, I would give it two and a half out of four. It was, I enjoyed it. Um, all right, so from the film picks of the week to the TV picks of the week. Um, I have I have one TV show this week that and, I'm, and you know oh gosh here we go it's gonna be like a Marvel fanboy moment here but uh, it's it's really the only show that was off the charts this week for me um and I'm going to I'm going to mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. here who came back from a three month hiatus this week and really um in an hour that could have been bogged down by a lot of information because they had to you know they had to give you a lot of it. Kind of catch you up and kind of like all right this is what happened and this is what happened once you know since what happened that kind of thing. They did it very well in an interesting way. So much happened in an hour. It was ridiculous um there was great payoffs throughout the hour they moved on to a new central story set up some things for the last half of the season the acting wasn't there was one sequence later later in the show that was just phenomenal um very impressed um you know the show continued with new darker tone there was a nice little fake out in in the second half of the show that was actually very entertaining just a really solid comeback. Um really solid comeback and I would highly recommend it and, and there's still people that don't give this show a chance because they still feel burned from the first half of last season. If you haven't given it a chance yet, check it out now. It's 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 become a completely different show. The darker tone, it's more spy like and it just the action sequences are better, the special effects are better, the acting's even better, and it was good before. Um, give it a chance. It's, it's a really, it's become a really, really good show. Um, and that's the show I'm, I'm highlighting this week, Agents of
0: S.H.I.E.L.D. Mike?
3: Hmm. (laughs) Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really good this week. I mean, it's, that's the way you come back. Um, there's a lot of intrigue. There was a lot of good moments, too. Um, I'm interested to seeing, I'm interested in seeing, I should say, where Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of goes from here. Uh, Perception came back uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's great. Still great. It's a great mystery show. Uh, but the show that I'm going to give the, uh, shout out to is Broad church huh. Series two. Uh, it picks up pretty much right where the first series left off. Now, uh, this is the British version, the original version of the show Grace Point. Starring David Tennant. Um, it is Broadchurch, once again, it, 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 it's a mystery show. It's kind of got new mysteries to solve. It's kind of going back to, uh, I don't know if his name is Hardy. I forgot. I forgot already. But kind <laughs> character that you got to solve the, uh, the mystery that he, that, that, that kind of haunts him. Uh, meanwhile, the little community has got to deal with the implications of what happened. It's, it's a really very involved show. Um, and it's on BBC America. Series two was released this week. um, Episode one. If you haven't seen Broadchurch, I highly recommend like going to Walmart. First season is like fifteen twenty bucks. It's better than Grace Point. It's much better than Grace Point was. Uh, but look, go out of your way, watch Broadchurch. It's great. Uh, series one's back. Series two's back. It's great. Very happy because it's a good show. There you go, Broadchurch.
0: Hmm, good one. Um,
2: I I was hearing, you know what? I I'm actually interested in Broadchurch because in some of the um, um, media and interviews for Agent Carter. Uh, James D. Arce brought up Broadchurch, and he's on Broadchurch.
3: And yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was a new addition to the cast this year.
2: Yeah, he was bringing that up a lot in interviews, and I and I read up a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds like a good show, and I've been, I've, I've had it. I I actually had it on my list of shows I wanted to get to, so. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to do that. Okay, um, now we move on to what has what is the main event. Before we get into the controversy, I first want to give give a general reaction to the Oscars really quickly, um, outside of what we're going to talk about. And I want to say this: there were some good moments. John Legend, Common, and their performance, and Selma winning the Oscar uh, for uh, Glory for original song Glory. That was a great moment. Very good performance. Very good moment. Very, very good. Um, probably the moment of the night. Uh, Lego movie, the performance of Everything is Awesome was fantastic. Right down to handing out Lego Oscars to people. Um, some great speeches. Julianne Moore was amazing. Um, just, a, it, it, you know, J.K. Simmons, who had a great speech. Um, Eddie Redmayne, who was fantastic, um, and, and Birdman, of course, winning in, in the speech there. Um, I thought they did a good job. I will give them this; they did a good job moving the show this year, as opposed to in past years. I think they did a good job. The, the tribute to the sound of music with Lady Gaga was great, um, and then uh, Julie Andrews coming out and, and, um, and after that was fantastic. The Immemorium was good with Jennifer Hudson. They did miss um, Joan Rivers in the package. That was a mistake. May she rest in peace. They should have had her in the package. Um, Neil Patrick Harris did the best job he can, but he really fell apart after the opening monologue. And I, You can say maybe you know some of the stuff in the opening monologue made it uncomfortable. I don't think so. Some of his bits maybe sounded better on paper. I don't blame him, though. The stuff's written for him. But it's a shame he had to go out and perform that because the stuff with the whole predictions thing in the envelope and Octavia Spencer that that stuff just got dragged on and on and on. Um, the stuff with John Travolta and Adina Menzel because John Travolta was weird on the red carpet, but he was weird again with Idina Menzel. I don't know what that was about. Um, the presenters were great. I mean, you had uh, pretty much all the presenters were people that people wanted to see nominated, so it's kind of funny all the so-called superheroes, you know funny i think that at one point i was thinking how many avengers can they try to shove on the show because that's what a lot of presenters were chris pratt um scott johansson chris evans um you know i mean it, it's it's funny you know for a show that was you know taking jabs at the superhero movie genre, boy they sure rushed to get those actors on stage to present you think that they they think they're going to draw an audience um notice my sarcasm uh, but, you know, it, it wasn't a bad broadcast. I, Neil Patrick Harris did the best he could. He probably won't bring him back, but he did the best he could. The music number was pretty good. Um, him and Anna Kendrick did the best they could with it. And, again, there were some good moments. There were some good moments. Um, the, the Birdman moment with Neil Patrick Harris running around in his underwear was pretty funny. I give him that. Um... That I'll leave it at that. That I think I I chronicle as much as I could. I'm very happy for Eddie Redmayne winning, J.K. Simmons winning, Julianne Moore winning, um, and very happy for Birdman and and its director because it, I of all the choices I think they, um, deserved it. I mean I'm if I once I see American Sniper I might feel different. I got a feeling I might think American Sniper is a better movie and probably should have won, but we'll see. Um. But a good, you know, all right, so we got that out of the way. Now let's talk about the controversy. <sighs> a lot's been said about this. A lot's been written about this. Um, and if you you know, are a fan of James Gunn on Facebook, you've read his response to it. And I encourage any of you that are not aware of this controversy to read what James Gunn posted on his Facebook back on February 23rd. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing on the air. I'll refer back to it a couple times. Um, but it's a, it's a great way to kind of explain why so many have a problem with what was done. This whole thing started at the Spirit Awards, um, right before the Oscars. Dan Gilroy, um, who was, I think, the head of that whole thing. And what's funny is, his, I think his wife was in two Thor movies. So it makes it weird. And actually, I think a, a I, I, I'm not sure how true this is, but I think it's probably true. Apparently, this uh, Gilroy did turn in a Superman script that got rejected way back in the 90s. So keep that in mind, too, assuming that's true. He went on this tirade at the Spirit Awards saying that the independent movies have survived against a tsunami of superhero movies. And... What I personally find hilarious is he acts like there's there's tons of superhero movies. When last year, there was, what, maybe four? Oh, the whole year. Well, we had Captain America. We had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We had Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, Transformers, if you want to call it a superhero. I mean, we didn't have that many. Give it a rest. I mean... If your movies can't battle a couple of superhero movies a year, then, and they're not supposed to battle it. Nobody expects those independent movies to rival Captain America, okay, or Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody expects that. But anyway, that started this train. And then during the Oscars, and again, I, I mentioned this last week, no disrespect to Jack Black. I don't think he. It, it was coming from him. It was written for him. And same thing with Neil Patrick Harris the jabs that were taken during the broadcast at superhero movies. You know, oh, it's all Hollywood is. It is sequels and about what makes money in superhero movies. And, you know, occasionally throughout the Oscars you heard jabs back, like Neil Patrick Harris, oh, collectively this group of best pictures made $600 million and and 300 of it was American sniper, you know, and a couple other jabs that I could go on and on about. But let me, let me, let me, let me start by saying this.
0: And we've said it over and over again over the years. There was a time when we didn't talk about budgets and we didn't talk about
2: grosses. And we didn't. We focused just on the movies themselves. And when times came for award shows, it didn't matter if a movie made five million or was produced for five million, or if it made five hundred, if it made you know a hundred million, it didn't matter. All that mattered was you celebrated what was thought to be the best. Nobody cared what that meant. There wasn't a divide. There wasn't this general superiority thing. And there wasn't a a, a need to use an award show as a platform to say, please, fight for this little movie. Because it needs your help against the big, bad movies that everybody comes out in droves to see. There was no need to villainize other films, other genres of films to be able to see, get people to see your movie. You didn't need to guilt your audience or get your audience to, to think, oh, wow, I feel bad, man. Those movies are serious movies about social issues and messages. I should go running out to see them. There was none of that. When you got together for these award shows, you saw movies big and small, small budget, big budget, blockbuster, non-blockbuster, romantic comedy, sci-fi, animated, whatever, all were celebrated. There was a balance. There was a celebration of all things film at these award shows. You can go so far back as the early 90s to still see that represented. And somewhere along the way, that changed. And it's and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And over the years, I used to, you know, unless you follow the process like me and a lot of people do online, you really don't understand. There was a number of people that didn't understand. They'd be like, what are you talking about? Oh, the Oscars. Unless they, I mean, they represent the best, right? That has to be the best. And I used to say, you know what? Yeah, there's, there's some movies there that are the best this year, but there's a lot that didn't get in because of a bias. There's a lot that didn't get in because they made too much money or because of what they were in uh, what genre they were from and then people would look at me like, "What are you talking about? This ain't a presidential election. There's no bias in politics which which i like well there's bias in politics there's bias in politics and a lot of things, not just you know actual politics, okay." But you want to, and that's what makes what happened this year so surreal. Because for years, these award shows, the Golden Globes, which arguably are the best in my mind, because they, they, they do celebrate more than just what the Oscars celebrate. They celebrate a lot more of the, you know, what the mainstream audience goes after, or, or sees, and the Critics' Choice do as well. But outside of those two, the Oscars don't do that. They don't. Other guilds like the BA- BAFTA, et cetera, don't do that. Writers Guild, et cetera, I could go on. They don't do that. They almost stub their nose at it. Seven years ago, in two after two thousand eight, when two movies that were considered classics of our of our our cinematic age, The Dark Knight and Wally were both left out of Best Picture, both almost shut out of the awards themselves, aside from a few categories. There was a loud public out- outcry, and there had been outcry for years, but that seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back, so much so that things were changed to allow 10 Best Picture nominees, which opened the gates to bigger movies getting nominated, like District 9, Toy Story 3, Inception, I could go on and on, and for, and you thought we're on the precipice of change. And for a few years, we saw bigger movies represented, quality, quality movies that actually had good box office growth represented. There was a better representation of what was the best in film for that particular year. And then gradually, as we distanced ourselves from that year of change, we started going back in the other direction again, culminating in this year where you looked at the Best Picture nominees and said, you know what, those are all good films. But you can't tell me that there weren't other films that deserve to be up there. And you might say, well, your opinion's subjective. Maybe in, in some people's eyes they didn't deserve to be there. Well, that might be true in some people's eyes but well, you can't tell me it was true in enough people's eyes that at least one or two of them didn't get up there. You can't, if if you know the, how this has gone for years and you know a little bit about the inside of it and you've studied it and you've researched it, you know, it has more to do with bias. It has more to do with a superiority complex. It has more to do with we, they, they do not, and they meaning the Academy and, and, Critics and people like them do not think that these big-budget movies, the Avengers, the Batmans, you know, these movies need to be awarded with awards because they have already done enough on their own, drawing money at the box office, getting fan acceptance and fan praise. Their philosophy is, We want to use our award show to showcase the movies that deserve to get the kind of praise and deserve to get the kind of box office numbers that those movies get because those are the movies that are true cinema, true art. That's their philosophy. They use the Oscars every year as their kind of soapbox moment to shove in your face. You should have seen that instead of Iron Man 3. That's what they use it for, and here's the problem. You're, you're, you, you know what? Fine, celebrate the movies you want to celebrate. But you want to know something? How, how bogus is that? When you nominate these films, but you're only nominating these films to try to beg your audience that's watching that night to see them. It's almost why you're you're, you're using it as a, a glorified commercial instead of nominating them on their merits. Now I'm sure to a degree you are nominating them on their merits, but there's but the fact that there's more motivation than this
0: nominating a film because you thought it was good is horrible. The fact that you use an award show to get your message across is horrible. And to the film, and, 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 one thing, and one thing that, you know, we focus so much
2: on the academy and we focus so much on, you know, what they do and not nominating these movies and not nominating that movie and et cetera, et cetera. But we only focus on the filmmakers who in a lot of ways, and I don't know who they are. I don't know which ones do and which ones don't, so I'm not going to point fingers. But we know there's filmmakers out there that only do things for the money and not for the passion. And on the flip side, there's filmmakers out there that only do things to get awards. So they'll go pick up a script that has this social issue that's the flavor of the month, and they might not even believe that strongly They might not even be that passionate about it, but if they go oh this is a, this is a topic that's going to get a lot of attention. I can get an Oscar out of this. That is horrible. That is disrespectful. Not only to the people that might be affected in some way by that social issue. But it's horrible to the entire filmmaking process. And it undercuts everything The that the Academy says. Oh, it's about art. It's about passion. It undercuts that whole thing. James Gunn said on his Facebook post, he made a lot of great points. It's not about what, you know, for him and others, it's not about getting accepted into the Oscars or the Academy. It's about not poking fun at those people that make the Guardians of the Galaxy or the Batmans or the Supermans or the, you know, the animated films out there that you all run out to see. It's not not about pushing to get those, although you'd like them to see, you'd like for them to get awarded like they shouldn't so many times over. It's not about that. We're not. Nobody's gonna go out there and beg to get get an award. But you shouldn't poke fun. You shouldn't say or criticize and say that they are dumb. That these filmmakers like James Gunn or the Russo brothers. You know, you shouldn't say that these people, Josh Whedon, are dumb, or that they don't put more. That they don't put just as much heart and soul, and passion, and hard work into their movies as somebody that makes a movie about whatever social issues out there, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or about whatever message they want to present. Just because they have a $200 million budget does not mean that they don't put just as much hard work and soul and passion into their project as somebody that has a $2 million budget. And that's what he was saying. And that's the biggest point of all. Because some of these filmmakers and these academy members get on their soapbox and go, we're not going to nominate that movie. Because you know what? That movie represents everything wrong with cinema. It doesn't present any kind of art. It's just a mindless piece of drivel that audiences go to see that means nothing. The dialogue is is shoddy, the writing is off the
0: charts bad, and uh, well, it's this special effects treatment. That's wrong,
2: because you know what? That mindset has been around for so long now that I'm convinced that these people can see a, a, one of these movies and they're never ever gonna admit that they like it, even if they do. They're setting themselves up for fa- they're setting themselves up to hate the movie before they even
0: step foot in a the theater, assuming they even do it. I have, I and many others have seen classic after classic, superhero movie, animated,
2: action adventure, drama, comedy, classic after classic, not get nominated for the last 15 years because of a bias, because of an unprofessional way of handling what should be awarded and what shouldn't be. And now, not only do we shut these movies out of the recognition they deserve but now we poke we we poke at the filmmakers behind these very movies and imply that they don't have any passion for their craft that they don't work just as hard as some others do so just because you have a budget that's not even 1% of what some of these movies make that means that your film had more work put into it by you, more heart and soul put into it by you than some of these other uh, directors did that had a higher budget. The time has come, no matter what side you stand on, to stop with the criticizing, to stop with the the stupid biases, to stop with the accusations, to stop with the superiority complexes, and to just celebrate film. Regardless of the budget, regardless of who's behind making it, take the preconceived notions and shove them. See the movie, keep an open mind. And if you think it's that good, I don't care how high the damn budget is. Nominate the damn movie. And by God, if you're going to go up on a stupid... If you're going to use your award show to preach your stupid message about how these movies are the only ones that should be celebrated, then retire from your position because you're clearly, clearly, clearly not capable of doing your job right. Because that's not what it's about. And if you think using people like Jack Black or Neil Patrick Harris or people like that is a way to get your message across and get it accepted, you're full of crap. Because we see right through it. Because we know they don't buy into that. And what gets me is you snub your nose at these movies. You snub your nose at these movies. The academy members, some of these actors and actresses, they're like, oh, these movies are ruining hard. You snub your nose at them, but you, you make sure that you invite them to your freaking ceremonies and pray them out on stage to make sure you get a rating to watch your stupid telecast. You can't have it both ways. Or you nominate them. You nominate some of these actors that are in these movies you stub your nose at for Oscars or for other awards. How many how many superheroes were nominated or people that were in superhero movies were nominated in your acting categories this year? How many? How many of them presented?
0: But you snub your nose at those movies. Oh, what gets me is, you know what, if it wasn't for all the sequels,
2: and I get sick of some sequels too. Some movies don't need sequels, I get that. But all the sequels and all these movies with the big budget and all the movies that draw $400 million in Hollywood, whether it's superhero movies, action, whatever, all these movies, you're stubbing your nose at. Guess what? Hollywood would be bankrupt by now. Your little movie that could, that that has a million-dollar budget, wouldn't even be having a chance if it wasn't for the Iron Man movie that made $300 million and helped keep Hollywood afloat for that year. So get off your damn high horse, start celebrating movies, start taking the biases and pushing them aside, and do what's right for the frickin' industry. Yeah, we all know Hollywood's commercialized. It's like an assembly line of what, what draws at the box office. But that's, guess what? Let's know somebody's worried about it.
0: Otherwise, there would be no money to be able to make these smaller movies. And by the way, I just got to point this out one last
2: thing and I'll throw the mic because I I'm, I'm losing my voice. Sean Penn was the presenter at the end of the
0: Oscars. He presented best picture to Birdman. And his pre
2: ex, pre uh presentation like I he took a jab at superhero movies too. Took a jab at big budget movies too. Oh, none of these movies are big budget superhero movies in an age where superhero movies or big budget movies dominate. Do we really have to do that right at that point? Again, take that one last jab, right? I'm so glad that you used your night to highlight the best in film to continue taking jabs at at these movies that are help keeping Hollywood going. In a bit, in, in in these years of bad economy. When films, your smaller budget, limited release films, your little, your your little prize projects, some of which took 12 years to make, those films don't get made, especially in, this, in the past the past few years in, in the economy we've been in. Without the very movies you snub your
0: nose at. If these movies, in some ways, create stars. And
2: if one of those stars gets into, ends up in one of your smaller budget movies, that might bring a lot of attention to your movie and gets it seen. But that wouldn't happen without those movies. Your snub your nose at.
0: Let's keep all that in mind. It's not about taking sides. It's about what's right. Celebrate them all or don't celebrate them at all. Go ahead, Mike.
3: I'm going to keep mine short and sweet because I'd like to be off at a reasonable hour. Um, The Oscars were down 36% this year. Ratings, 36%. Lois is 2008. Oh, coincidentally, when they had their big issue because they couldn't nominate what the people thought were the best movies that year. When you stub your nose at what the people want, suddenly your telecast doesn't get seen. So you could Sit, sit there and take all the pot shots you want, but if your telecast doesn't get seen, it just looks like sour grapes. It looks, it just looks like posturing. Oh well, blah, 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 blah. well, superhero movies. Who cares what you think? Who cares? Unfortunately, me that's good and bad. Because people go see Transformers movies. (laughs) Now, those people don't see Transformers movies and generally think that's the best movie of the year. (laughs) People go see that movie as an escape. It's a crappy escape with lots of explosions, but it's an escape. Now let's let's change the let's change the, the 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 thing here. Captain America: Winter Soldier. Now, is that a movie I liked as much as Guardians of the Galaxy? No, but it's a spy movie. It's a mystery. It seemed to be the movie the Oscars would take two. It made over $700 million. People watched the crap out of the movie. People loved that movie. Now, you nominated Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You nominated several different spy movies over the years. What's different about Captain America, The Winter Soldier? It was just as brilliant and brilliantly written and brilliantly directed as many of the other spy movies that you have you have nominated over the years. It's because it's Captain America. Right? It's Captain America. Superhero movie. You go out and you take these pot shots, I and mean, then you imply these movies are less than. How is Captain America a worse movie than Boyhood? They tell different stories. Captain America's is an escape. And Boyhood was a show that you could have watched on NBC for like five years. <laughs> so what's the difference? And the show on NBC was better, <laughs> according to all sources. Now, look, I wanted to see Theory of Everything, and I wanted to see The Imitation Game. Never got around to it. Is that a knock on the movies? No, because from all, all intents and purposes, those movies are really good. I wanted to see them. However, don't go out there and imply that The Imitation Game and Theory of Everything were worse, were were better movies than Guardians of the Galaxy, than Captain America: Winter Soldier, than X Men: Days of Future Past, because they're not. They're not. They are made with the same passion. They are made with the same quality. They are made and everybody is working together. Everybody is trying. Look, these superhero movies aren't the damn room. They have improved considerably since Hell, since Batman, the first Batman. These superhero movies are smart. They're clever. They're well-acted. They're well-directed, well-written. They are some of the best movies you can watch. You're going to go out there and tell me that The Dark Knight did not deserve an Oscar? You're going to go out and tell me that The Dark Knight Returns did not deserve an Oscar? You're going to go out and tell me that Captain America Winter Soldier, which is your type of movie, didn't deserve it because they weren't these little small budget pieces of pieces of crap. Come on, don't don't be that person. Don't be that asshole. And you're right. And this is a fact. the The Hollywood survives on the back of these big budget monsters, and they use the Oscars as a way to get their little movies over. It's not for these big budget superhero movies that draw, that make a billion dollars, these little small movies that you try to prop up so much. Don't get made. Oftentimes, the studios kind of use the profits from these big budget movies to make a smaller budget indie film to kind of fund it, to kind of do the uh, the promotion for it so that it gets nominated. These superhero movies are what's keeping Hollywood alive. They are the hand that is feeding it. And the Oscars, which went down 30, 36% this year, Why did it go down 36%? Because before American Sniper went mainstream, I think, but it was what? Like total gross was under $100 million? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Before American Sniper went mainstream, it was under $100 million. These movies, people did not go see in droves. Did you have seven million here, ten million here, twenty million there? But nobody saw it. There was no draw. Neil Patrick Harris was that was your draw? Everybody likes Neil Patrick Harris, but your writing for him was terrible. Your writing for him was terrible. You nominated people who are going to be in superhero movies. But you threw them under the bus. So why should we care about your award show? You have a disdain for the the things that people generally like and are interested in. And... You and you and by you I mean the Oscars, the people who wrote it, the people who produced it, and I'm not even to talk about the, the Independent Spirit Award guy. He, his head, his head was so far up his ass, it kind of looped around. So it was kind of it, it, it was an infinity symbol of head in ass. He doesn't matter. Who watches and pays attention to the Independent Spirit Award? Anyways, if he didn't say that, nobody would give two craps about the Independent Spirit Awards. Let's call that spade a spade. It was an attempt at for attention, and he got enough attention to kind of warrant it. But let, let, let's be clear: it was just a, "please pay attention to me." That's all it was. Who cares? Hmm. Isn't worth my is worth my time. It wasn't worth your time, but it was what the Oscars did was pathetic. You're making yourself even more irrelevant than when you started. You are making yourself even more irrelevant than when when you started when you started this new format because you came. Under such such heat for snubbing the one movie people gave about gave cared about that year. One of the two movies that people cared about that year. You snubbed it. And then you insulted it. And then you couldn't deal with the, the heat. It was terrible. It was pathetic. It was pathetic. And this year, you can't take the heat again. So next year, what are we going to expect? Please, please watch our show. Please watch the Oscars. Please prove that we're not meaningless. (laughs) Spoiler alert, you're meaningless. Your attitude makes you meaningless. Your bias makes you meaningless. Because you're right. If you can't celebrate the entirety of cinema, the quality, regardless of how much it grossed, then how much it cost. If you can't celebrate that, then your era has ended. Your time is done. And you need to move on to a generation. By you, of course, again, I mean the Oscars. The Academy needs to move on to a generation who is willing to consider both big and small and everything in between, who isn't so short-sighted to think that you can go on national television and insult their people and the, your viewers, their intelligence, and their interests and not expect people to be upset to think they'll just take a look people turn your show off after that and I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't saw Guardians of the Galaxy again so to the Oscars to the Academy to this old guard to these producers who produce this show your time is done move on move on to a generation and let's move on to a generation that doesn't suck so bad let's move on to a generation that is willing to consider the entirety of cinema So so maybe next year we might get Uh, Concussion starring Will Smith and the Avengers. Because if Avengers got nominated, do you know how big... Let's say Avengers makes $2 billion this year, hypothetically speaking, and gets nominated for Best Picture. Do you know what your television rating will be? Do you know what your interest level will be? People will care again. You need to give a reason for people to care. Insulting the things they like is not how you get people to care. So the the academy, this old guard, you know, f off, retire, go watch, go watch Casablanca, sound the music again. Not that those movies aren't not that those movies aren't are bad, but that's where your head is. That's where it should
2: stay. You want to know what the sad part is? If Casablanca had come out in this in this era, it probably would have made too much money to be up for Best Picture. That's the sad part.
3: Um, yeah, that that that's a tragic reality too. Yeah, Casablanca came out. Citizen Kane. If, mm-hmm. I, if mm-hmm. any of those movies came out this year, like Orson Wells, you know, right. was starting start, uh, what is it? Uh, Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Too much money wouldn't get dominated. It's like, come on, Robin Hood with Errol Flynn? Nope, not won't. Well, no attention. It'd be disgusting. The Godfather. Godfather, Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yep you made too much money, Marlon. Yeah. Please tell Marlon Blanda that he made too much money. God rest his soul. He'd probably troll you in a couple of chat rooms and publicly.
2: I'll tell you something. So many of the great movies, and again, that was a different era. It's so weird. It it just hit the early 90s and then it all just changed and it never looked back. Some of the greatest movies in history, they come out during this era. They wouldn't have been even nominated because they would have done. They would have been. They would have had. You know. They would have made too much money. And that's and that's the sad reality. Or they wouldn't have been embraced by the Academy because they were like, oh, we want to fight for this other movie. Well, it's not supposed to be about fighting for a movie. It's supposed to be about nominating and rewarding the best, regardless exactly. of what that movie is.
3: Exactly. It's not it's meant to be the your mo- platform. The mo- Honestly, the moment the Academy says we're fighting for this, this genre mm-hmm. is the moment that you've corrupted your purpose. Right. right. We have something right. for that. It's called the Independent Spirit Awards. Nobody watches it, but that's what it's for. It airs on TNT. Right. It gets this whole big thing on E! because it's a war season and they're at everything. Right. That that that's what that's for. And and here's the, the Os- other thing. I'm sorry, but the yeah. Oscars are for, for celebrating uh what is best in cinema regardless of what the damn budget is.
2: And and here's the other thing. The fact that you feel you have to fight for something so much shows you don't have faith in those films yourself. To stand on your own If you really think something is that good, okay, if you really think, I hate to keep believing the boyhood point, but if you think boyhood is that good of a movie, then leave it up to the voters to decide if it's better than Captain America. And if it is, if enough people believe it is, it's not going to matter how much it made or the budget. That's the way it was way back in the early 90s, 80s or whatever. You see movies of different budgets, of different genres, all in the same category. If they were good enough to stand on their own, they were good enough to stand on their own. They won on their own merits. They didn't win because you beg people, you beg your fellow academy members, take a chance, or you beg the audience to go out and see them. You let the movie stand on its own two feet. You let the movie, um, you let the movie prove itself.
3: It's just it's it's not okay.
2: No, it's not.
3: It's not okay.
2: And like I said, it, it, you know, the the Academy Awards are not your platform to get your agenda across. That's not what they're for. That's not what any of these awards are for. And that's why when we do our awards, you know, they go over so well because we give People a voice, and they see that the things that they like get awarded. And and you know what? You look at our best picture. We have movies of different budgets in there. We have smaller budget movies. We have bigger budget movies. And whatever wins, wins. We don't push for any one movie. Well, well, no. But we've had we've had. I mean, like I said, we try. We we do different genres. We do different categories. And. You know it it works for what it does, but it gets people care because and they're invested because of what it is you know we got and we're going to, i'm not going to do this tonight we' said we're not, not going to have the time um on our next show we'll do this because we'll have more time we'll give we'll get we'll give you i' will, will we we'll give our own reactions to our film awards um and and give us some of yours as well but i want to just touch on one little thing to end this. I can't tell you. How many people, year after year, including this year, after the fact, whether they participated or not, and maybe it means more to the person that didn't participate, or maybe it's to somebody that's never been through this process before, and it's a new listener to new listener to our show, and you know it, this is their first film awards that they've heard on our show. Maybe it means more coming from them. You get that every year though, where somebody says, "Wow, you know what? That was really good." Like boy, you know, I, 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 a lot of the movies that were nominated, I I saw them, you know, and then there were movies I didn't even know about. Like I never, you know, you know, some of the smaller budget was like Whiplash, and boy, you know what? I, you know, see, hearing who was in it, like oh, J.K. Simmons, man, oh, I'm not, i i I'm, I might go see that, but you know what? You're going to create a lot more open mindedness to the from the mainstream about a movie like Whiplash or Boyhood or um, even Birdman, if they're nominated along with some of the things that people saw or like. Now, if that movie wins, get this, it's going to mean more if something like Birdman beats Captain America. Now, I'm not saying that should happen, but if it did, it's going to mean more because people are like, wow, that movie must be really good to beat the movie I really loved. And not to mention the fact that awarding a movie like Guardians or Captain America or even nominating them, more people are going to watch your show. Therefore, more people are going to know about these movies. Not just the big budget ones, but the small budget ones. And again, if if something beats – look, it's not like I'm saying every year a big budget movie should win. And every single one should be nominated. I'm just saying that 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 should be on the table. That that should be possible. It shouldn't be not even in consideration. It shouldn't be of that much of an uphill battle. It should have every opportunity. Any film should have every opportunity to be nominated and to win, and let it stand on its own. And then, if enough people are behind it and it wins, then it wins. Again, everything's subjective. What we think should, what should win is not necessarily going to be the same as everybody else, and that's what the beauty of it is. But lot—I mean—but when you're when you're locking out 80% of the films in Hollywood, and not and basically making it so that they don't have a chance, there's a problem, and it can't get ignored anymore. And now you're poking at, it. like you're 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 snubbing your nose at it. And rubbing the audience, the mainstream audience's faces in it—it's—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's, it's gotten so bitter now. It's—it's it's, malicious. It's unbelievable. Like I could not believe after all these years of trying to to act like, oh, we don't have that kind of bias. They basically came right out and blatantly said it on the broadcast. I don't even know why they do that, but they did. And now, if you had any doubt, <laughs> and they made it abundantly clear. And made popular actors and, and popular personalities, celebrities, issue it. Thinking it was going to be more acceptable coming from them. The whole thing was just awful. But anyway, we've said our piece. Um, I apologize that we ran out of time, that we we'll have to table, the rest of what we were going to do. Um, again, on our next entertainment show, we will get to our own reactions and all of your reactions, the listeners' reactions to our film awards from last week. Um, We'll do that on our next show. Again, I'll let you all know on Tuesday, um, you know, what the deal is, whether it's been recorded or not, or whether we're going to do a daytime show. I'll let you all know what's going to happen with that. We're definitely doing two shows next week, but how it all shakes out, I'll let you all know about that on Tuesday's program, which is our next show. All right, so all right, we did good. Um, got through everything else. That's all that matters. Okay, so we wind down now. As always, just because our show is over does not mean you have to stop interacting, contributing to our show or stop interacting with us. You can continue to send feedback, questions about the show and show scheduling, topic ideas, and breaking news items. Then you want to make sure we cover related to sports, entertainment, and wrestling, any of those things. You can submit to us via email, Facebook, and Twitter. You can email us at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, that's my email as well as the show's. So remember, please put in the subject line of your email some idea of what that email is about, just to help us out organizing things, if it's feedback, if it's a reaction to something one of us said or something for one of us in particular, a topic, whatever. Just give us some idea in the subject line of the email if you can. You can also follow us and tweet us at IT Spotlight BG. Again, it's at IT Spotlight BG. That's my Twitter handle as well as our shows. And remember to use the hashtag, hashtag IT Spotlight. Again, it's hashtag IT Spotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. To find us on Facebook, search for us using our full show title in the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And once you find our fan page, like our page and go ahead and post whatever it is you like to post. Facebook, Twitter, or email, it makes no difference. If you post or send it, I assure you, Jeff Tech or myself, one of us will see it. We take turns, we check. All the time. So don't be alarmed if you send something and we don't reply back or use, acknowledge, or mention it on the show. We just can't reply back to everybody and we can't use or mention or acknowledge everything. So just don't be alarmed if you don't, that doesn't happen. Just be assured we do check and look at everything. So remember that. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest information about our show, especially as it relates to scheduling. Um, outside of that, the next best way to get information about our show is on our main show page around TalkShoe.com. You can find us here on TalkShoe.com by searching for us using our full show title in the spot where Brian Gardner. And once you find our main show page, you'll have access to all the episodes since our move to Talk Shoe. All our episodes available at the bottom of the page in the episode archive available with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience. Episode descriptions you get access to by clicking on the little I next to each episode. The episodes in the archive are in order from most recent to the oldest. Most recent episodes can be also found in the top right-hand corner of our show page, just click on the play icon that box and the episode will play for you. So you'll have access to all the episodes. You'll know if you, you'll be able to find out if you've even missed an episode by looking at the information, catch up on episodes, listen to them again, you know, finish what, listening to an episode you may not have finished, all that good stuff. Also, for scheduling purposes, our, our show page is very helpful. Anytime I schedule a show, which, as I always say, is not, not any earlier than a half hour before showtime, I always wait to the last minute in case something changes. Um, anytime I schedule a show, two things appear on the show page: a countdown clock appears in the top right-hand corner, right under the most recent episode box. That countdown clock counts down to our next show, and an upcoming episode listing appears above the episode archive at the bottom of the page, which gives you the date, time, number, and again, an episode description that you get access to by clicking on the little I next to the episode. All that information there for you so you know what's coming up on our next episode. All the information you need to know about the episode. So when you see the clock and the listing, you'll know we're definitely having a show. So that's one way of knowing. So what you want to do is on show days, which are usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we encourage you to check out the main show page regularly throughout the week just in case something comes up. Just keep, keep hitting refresh when you're on the page, especially on show nights, on, especially on normal show nights like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Keep hitting refresh, and then when you see a countdown clock or an upcoming episode listing, um, that's how you know we're having a show and you know when it's going to be. So our main show page here on Talk Show very, very helpful. You want to check it out, especially if you don't follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You want to check us out here on our main show page on talkshoe.com. Again, it's here on talkshoe.com. We encourage you to check us out on our second home, libsin.com. Again, it's libsin.com. Search for us using our full show title in the spotlight of Brian Gardner. And then once you find our show page over there, scroll down and you'll find all of our recent episodes um, in order from most recent to the oldest, labeled with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience. Find the episode you want, click on it, and it will play for you. So feel free to go check us out over there on our second home, Libsyn.com. Again, it's Libsyn.com. You can also check us out on our old home, BlogTalkRadio.com. Again, it's BlogTalkRadio.com. Just search for us using our full show title, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find us over, over there, scroll down on our old show page, and you'll find all 31 of our first episodes, our first 31 episodes of our show, the original 31 episodes of our show are there. All 31 of those episodes are there in the, at the bottom of the page in order from most recent to the oldest, most recent date to the oldest, with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience. If you want to listen to an episode again, maybe you're just feeling nostalgic. If you've been with us listening for the last five years, maybe you just want to listen to an older episode, or maybe you've never listened to them before. Whatever the case may be, feel free to go check out those episodes over there on blogtalkradio.com. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com. You can also... Find us on iTunes,
3: Mike. <clears throat> yes, you can find us on something more relevant than the Oscars. Um, search for In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner, then go to Podcast, Subscribe, Download, and Enjoy. Our relevancy. Surprise! That's, we're, we're more relevant.
2: Yeah, I love. I love. Just like the Oscars, you're taking jabs throughout the telecast. That's throughout the broadcast. That's great. That's great. Great. I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight and for being such a good sport earlier about my my um, insult. Thank you, Jeff Tech. I want to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you, Mike.
3: Yes, now it is now it is time for a rest. Yes. Because Friday is tomorrow. Yay. And hopefully I don't get stuck in my driveway again. That, that
2: mm-hmm. would suck. <laughs> um, and I want to thank myself for another great show. Pam, I'm back and thank all of you. For your continued support and contributions to the show, thank you so much for listening. And for all that you do, we really do appreciate that. We are done for this week. Again, our next show will be Tuesday night, broadcasting live here on Talk Show. That's Tuesday night. That will be March the 10th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time here on Talk Show. It will be our sports show for this week. It will be pretty much a college basketball show. It will be our last bubble watch of the season. We'll set up the NCAA tournament, talk about number one Cs, bubble teams, all that good stuff. You know, mid-major conference tournaments will be in full swing. Any live, any games ongoing while we're on the air, we'll update you on. We'll talk about all the latest college basketball headlines. And if we have to do anything else um, for other sports like NBA, MLB, et cetera, if we have to do them or if any of you want us to talk about certain things, we will do that, of course. That will be on Tuesday's show. And we'll probably do a little wrestling, too, assuming there's any big things to discuss. That will be on Tuesday's show. And, again, our second show next week, and there will be a second show. This year we're not going to – I only go with one show for most of the uh, month, a week. You know, we're not going to do that this year. Um, in regards to the second show, I'll make a, a formal announcement on that on Tuesday. Uh, again, I'm leaning towards probably recording the show, the show at some point and then just posting it on Thursday. We'll see what happens. Um, but I'll let you all know what the deal is as far as when the second show will be and how it's all going to work on Tuesdays. Show so you want to tune in for that early to make sure you hear the announcement. I'll announce pretty much right at the start of the show. So, all right. So with all that being said, I hope you all have a great night, a great weekend, and a great start to your week next week. We'll see you back here this coming Tuesday night, March 10th, at broadcasting live here and Talk you at 8 o'clock PM Eastern Time. Until then, have a
0: good night, everybody.